0: This is great. Chilling by the ocean. Waves crashing. Drink on the side. Death Star. Flying above me. Hey, those. Tie fighters? The out and our blockade is. Join Robin Boat and Sean Mee Right now. City Blockade. AP5 has an idea. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Brick City Blockade here. This is a very special episode. It is part of the podcast, but it it is one of my favorite individuals that is sitting across from me on this one. Dakota Spicer is on this episode here with me on the podcast. What is up, my friend? It's been a long time since we talked, and I'm looking forward to this.
1: Robin, I am overwhelmed with all of the Star Wars that is happening at this moment. It's just it's amazing. It's a, it's a great time to be a Star Wars fan. That's all I can say.
0: Yeah. And I think even before we get into the um Star Wars stuff alone, um I know we there's been a lot going on just in fandom itself. I know there's been a lot of different things in terms of D23 in particular and we'll get into that and you know, a fandom, and, you know, I think we'll even do a little bit of a reflection on where we are today compared to where we were about 10 years ago um, when it comes to the Star Wars universe and fandom. But I really want to start off, and I know before we even hit the record button, we had mentioned this, it's everything that's been going on in terms of uh, Sony and everything with the Spider-Man property. And uh, Dakota, I'm going to have you share your uh, perspective on this first, because I'm curious to hear where you're, where you are on it.
1: Okay, so I I don't know all the logistics, all the ins and outs between Sony and Disney. Right. I just know what I read. But I I you know you have a gut feeling whenever you read the news and you kinda like can read between the lines and see what's going on. This yeah. is just my two cents. It doesn't have to be that it's right or wrong. It's just my sure. two cents. So <clears throat> as much as I appreciate what Sony has done with like the Into the Spider Verse, the that new animated show, or I shouldn't say show, uh, animated movie mm-hmm. it was. I mean, that was amazing. I mean, I appreciate that. Like Sony's working with Disney, but I think what what it all boils down to is Sony want doesn't want to be a team player. I yeah. think that I think that's what it is. I think Sony, it saw. I mean, Spider Man Far From Home was like was it they're highest grossing film ever made yeah like one point something billion dollars so i mean insane it's incredible like they made a lot of money and from what i read is that disney only makes i think five percent of the profits on opening day for the film um but they do make like royalties and stuff off of the like merchandise and stuff like that but you know, having that—I mean, they basically made the films, but so it's still Sony's baby. At you yeah. know, at the end of the day, and you know, Sony kind of, in my opinion, is just playing this hardball with Disney, and it's just—it's ugly, man. You know, nobody wants to see their their mom and dad fight. You know what I'm saying? It's true. No one wants to see that. I think Tom Holland's the one that's probably got it the hardest out of everybody. He he's yeah. probably heartbroken, but. You know i think they're going to come to an agreement i just think i think if sony would just you know take their ego out of the equation you know quit thinking about how they're going to better sony and think about playing as a team player they're going to benefit so much more because that's that's one of my biggest things for me and my business and my you know my social media is being a team player sure you know just supporting other people and if, as a business, if you're going to be someone that's just looking out for number one, it's going to come back to you, man. Karma is a you know terrible, <laughs> terrible force to deal with. It is. So I don't know. That's just my two cents. But what do you think, Robin?
0: It's fascinating because I totally agree with you on so many different levels when it comes to this, Dakota. I think the one thing that really fascinates me about all this, and I'm coming from a background of being at a negotiation table before on multiple occasions and knowing what it's like to sit down in front of a group that, you know, you have to try to come to a deal with. And I think you're right. Sony is really looking more towards their ego than what the possibilities are going forward. And the business opportunities, anybody who has really invested in interest in Disney has been paid handsomely for being able to sit there and work through it. And I think Sony, number one, coming to the the negotiation table and laying out a percentage that was below the 30% mark, number one, when you go into negotiation, when it comes to the rights to something, you never go in below 30% or even below 40% because when you start doing that, it makes it look like, okay, our sole interest is in our own company. It's not in yours. And when it comes to the, I know, the business world and whatever else, and the corporate world in particular, that number is always floating above, let's start at 40 and let's work either up or down from there. And that even in life, when you're talking about buying a car, buying, you know what I mean? There's that negotiation process that has to occur. And it takes more than just one sitting to get that done. And I think Sony's mindset was, we're going in here with our fixed mindset, and we're going to get what we want out of this. Well, unfortunately, that's not how life works. And that is not how that world works. And I think in terms of, I I agree with you, I feel so bad for Tom Holland because it is that whole idea of you don't want to see your mom and dad fight. And he's the one that pushed this forward. But also in terms of the canon, Dakota, in terms of the the end of, of Far From Home, what does this do to the canon in which Disney and Feige have been able to build? You know, I mean,
1: it throws the biggest monkey wrench into what they were intending to do with Spider-Man in the MCU. Uh. And, you know, Spider-Man, you can say it all day long if you want. Iron Man's like, you know, the biggest Marvel character, but not in the comics. If you look at the comics, Spider-Man is number one. And he's, you know, they set it up for him to basically be the successor to Tony Stark in the movies. We all know that. You know, it's it's a no-brainer i mean if you want to make incredible films you work with disney i mean look look at the quality quality they produce on a consistent basis like just look at the incredible minds you know behind lucasfilm behind you know marvel and just see all of the ingenuity and the creativity and wouldn't you want to be a part of that when you want to align yourself with that like Just the fact that they wanted fifty percent, I don't think they were, I don't think they were wanting to, you know, basically settle for fifty. I think they would have taken thirty. I think if they, I think if Sony would have countered and say, you know what, how about thirty? And I think Disney probably would have taken it. You know, maybe they would have bumped to thirty-five. I don't know. But the thing at the end of the day, it's like if you want to be a team player and you want to make the best content for your fans, this is not for Sony. That's right. That's the thing. Sony's got to get itself out of the way. This is for the fans. What are you doing to your fans? Your fans are going to be, they're already upset. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I just, I think it's just a poor business strategy on, you know, so many levels. But, you know, that's not my company. If it was my company, (laughs) I'd be working with Disney.
0: That's right. (laughs) I I totally agree with you from that perspective. It's, it's that whole idea of Disney is the hot commodity and the company you want to invest in and you want to exactly want a piece of that. And you know, with Disney plus coming up the road, there's going to be a lot of other properties that are going to look at this and be like, okay, how can we negotiate our way into this? How can we get ourselves involved in this and make it? And that's what Disney wants. They want that in-house ability and it's what's made them so successful since the purchase of Star Wars and the inclusion of Marvel, and bringing Pixar into the picture as well, has been, let's bring as much in-house as possible and let these other franchises, these other companies, come in and say, you know what, you want to come and join us on this joyride? Do you want to come in and be a part of this? And I think also, you bring up a really interesting point, and I kind of bring this back, of course, to the late, great Steve Dicko and um, Stan Lee, you know, Stan Lee's focus really was on Iron Man and Spider-Man. And he brought Steve Dicko in, into Marvel, to say, how can you craft Spider-Man for me while I take a deeper look into Iron Man? That's really where that came into. And Feige has, has always stuck, to, and I think that was always his conversation after Disney purchased Marvel, said, how can we get Iron Man and Spider-Man? And that, those two iconic, developed characters between Steve... And, of course, uh, uh, you know, the rest of Marvel and, and the focus that they wanted to bring. How can we keep that element going forward? And I think Sony kind of lost that track. That, yeah. That like, this is what Steve wanted. This is exactly what, what the Marvel property was all about. And, you know, when you start doing that, the fans notice. The fans exactly. Notice, and, that's and where- you know...
1: Just to kind of hit on something you said about Disney Plus, you know, I have a newly acquired acquaintance who I met on Facebook. Great guy. I'm not going to mention nice. his name. He probably doesn't want to know, you know, everybody know who he is. But he uh, <laughs> he actually works on, uh, or he used to work on the Netflix Marvel stuff. And so oh, wow. he, he um, told me that, you know, Netflix is basically a sinking ship. They... They have put their fingers in too many different, you know, cookie jars, so to speak. And it's just, it's looking like it's going to be a mess going forward. You know how they canceled Daredevil. They canceled, you know, a lot of yeah. their their premium shows, right? They, they canceled them. And this was not like, so this is, from my understanding, that they wanted to continue those shows on Netflix. Yeah, they did. They wanted to continue them. They wanted to keep the actors. They wanted to continue the story but netflix has nixed it and i think it was out of spite i think honestly yeah. they were just like sony they don't want to be a team player they say oh disney plus is coming right around the corner let's kind of sever ties with them and just you know let them see if they can do it and you know disney's just sitting there saying man you're really screwing yourself over i mean sorry for my language but you're really it's
0: okay we have an explicit rating on brick city now Oh, do we? <laughs> oh, yes, we do.
1: Uh-oh. <laughs> so they really are, at the, end of the, at the end of the day, you know, screwing themselves over because Netflix, some of their best content was that, that Daredevil Season 1, Season 2, Season 3. You know, if they would just, like Sony, if they would just be a team player and just start to work with Disney, yeah. They would be so successful. Like I mean I love Stranger Things, don't get me wrong. Like there's some great content yeah. on Netflix, but Netflix is it just seems there's so much content and there's so many things to the look which is great. You have a lot of accessibility, a lot of different users, a lot of people on there. But I think honestly with I mean there's what is it? Fox has got uh, a streaming service coming out. Disney's yeah, got cool. one. Um there's so many, like there's so many, I think there's like five or six. Amazon, of course, has got its own. Um, yeah, DC. Hulu, DC. Um, there's so many. So it's going to be, it's going to be crazy competition. It but is. I'm, I'm excited for that competition because that's going to create more quality content. You know, Yes. I, I love that old saying. It's like, you know, if you don't have, if you don't have someone to compare yourself to, it's like, you're basically just, you know. I lost the saying. I don't even know what the <laughs> saying is anymore. You know what? I, you, well, you, you understand? You understand what I mean? It's like if you if you don't have that that you know that razor edge right beside you, going alongside you, you know, grinding at your side, saying, "Oh, I'm gonna make the the best content." It's like, no, I'm gonna make the best content, and that creates so such a good, comp- healthy competition for your fans, and they can digest that content and appreciate it instead of just saying, "Oh, we're the monopoly. and This is what you get." And you gotta deal with it and it's like no it's like oh, we want to get our fans attention we're gonna you know develop amazing stories you know the mandalorian i mean
0: let's talk about that yes let's get into the mandalorian because not only did d23 produce rise of skywalker stuff and they gave us ewan mcgregor saying the word yes on on (laughs) on the stage which was awesome um the mandalorian itself i mean between the poster what are your thoughts on the trailer itself because i thought 100 percent this thing had john favreau r- written all over it but it also had a mix of all the other directors and producers on it as well as keeping almost a rogue one feel to it
1: yeah i can definitely agree with that like for me the mandalorian is going to be like a showstopper like they've yeah. already greenlighted a second season and you know not a lot of not a lot of people do that, you know, before it's even released. That's a big deal. You know, they greenlighted it second season. They're like, we already have enough confidence in this show that we're gonna go ahead and green light second season, put the money into it, and they know it's gonna be successful. So I'm excited. I mean I am a huge like original trilogy fan. So this is kind of mm-hmm. right up my alley. You know, I know the lore um so much better from the original trilogy. I'm a fan of the sequels i'm a fan of the prequels i don't know the the lore as much as i do the original trilogy right so that's kind of where i'm excited to see what's going to happen like you know seeing that you know that character development that's going to be able to happen over those episodes is going to be amazing like being able to see those you know kind of western vibes play out and just i don't know i'm geeking out over here about it what do you think robin <laughs>
0: I think that the Western tone is something that not only John Favreau wanted, but I think it's something totally that Dave Filoni wanted. Um, You know, he got a little bit of that with Resistance. I'll say to people who watched it with the racer idea. You know, he talked about his dad's old Stingray and the paint jobs on the on the races on the cars that he used to go to as a kid. He wanted that in the Star Wars universe. That's why he loved George Lucas with the pod racing stuff. That's why he was one of the people that said you got to do this, George. And that was. Something that Dave kind of took to heart. I think the Western idea, you know, originally George had many scripts for Star Wars Underworld, which was supposed to be a Fox property, and they were supposed to be working on a show for that. That didn't work out. And I think George basically, in his pitch to Disney, said, I have this script for this Underworld type show. Maybe you want to do it at some point, maybe not. But Dave is kind of the guy that I like who could probably push this forward. And maybe there's some other people that you could bring to the equation. I think that's where The Mandalorian stemmed from. And I think now that we're playing in a timeline also that follows Return of the Jedi, it's, it's that weird spot that we really have been only filled in by novels and whatever else that we really haven't seen on screen yet. And the one thing that solidifies this show for me is that they greenlighted a second season. So that means the investors, Bob Iger, Kathleen Kennedy, and everybody associated with Lucasfilm really liked what this first season did. So for me on the business side, I, I'm like, yes, season 2 greenlighted. They like everything that they're seeing. Um, but I think the one aspect for me, in terms of The Mandalorian that's super exciting, is Pedro Pascal playing The Mandalorian. And... We get some diversity in the Star Wars universe, which is awesome. We have yet another Latino who's playing uh, a major role, other than, of course, Mr. Cassian Andor himself, Diego Luna, um, who's also going to have his own show. But The Mandalorian is hitting on the diversity factor, and it's giving us a streaming show that's not only going to be what Star Wars fans maybe have been waiting for, which is something a little bit darker, something that's going to hit on the underground uh, like Solo did, but is also going to be something that we can all sit back, watch together and say, I can't believe I just saw that on screen. I never thought Star Wars would do that.
1: Exactly. And, you know, just kind of hitting on what you said about the cast, you know, they have some incredible talent, you know, stepping up to the plate for this show. And I cannot wait to see Carl Weathers in this (laughs) show. Oh my gosh. Like just, just that one snippet of him, that's like that glare and i'm just like i'm sold i'm like yeah. whatever whatever's gonna go down i'm here for the whole ride like and i just i love personally that's one of my favorite genres is westerns and you know yeah. seeing the standoff the classic you know the gunslinger attitude of like you know you're alone out there yeah. in the universe and you gotta make your own way and you gotta play by your own rules and you know, I think that's what it's going to be about. Is the Mandalorian? Is of course there's there's going to be a probably some twists and some some deep uh, lore involved with uh, Star Wars. But I think at at its core, it's about an individual who he. I don't know if he's a good guy. I don't know if he's a bad guy. But I know that I'm going to like him. So <laughs> yeah, that that's where I'm at.
0: He's really a different take on Han Solo for a lot of us. He's, yeah. It's, He's a guy who, you know, Solo has been hurt in the past, and he ended up really, you know, no matter what anybody said, I mean, Kira even said it to him in Solo, a Star Wars story, was that, you know, you'll always find yourself in the good. We don't know that about the Mandalorian. This is at a, this is at a time where the Resistance hasn't formed yet, and the Empire is in an absolute mess. And everybody is, is running around trying to figure out where they're going to be, who they're working for, what can get done. And the Mandalorian, I mean, he's really following the true bounty hunter form in that case, which is, I'm on my own. I got to scrap my way through this. And we'll find out if, you know, if he takes a side or not. I kind of hope he doesn't. I kind of hope he's his own thing, you know? Yeah,
1: I think he's going to be kind of that gray zone for sure. I think uh, let's kind of segue into that cassian andor series i did not i did not know this i'm reading right now some of the headlines i didn't know alan tudyk is coming on for kt k2so
0: yeah and that's a. I was waiting for that to happen because it only makes sense how great in the cassian andor series do we see k2so being reprogrammed by cassian i mean that's amazing
1: i know i like that was of course, everybody's favorite moment. Like, you know, the relationship between Diego Luna and Alan Tudyk. You know, the chemistry just between the, you know, the two characters was amazing in Rogue One. Yeah. And just being able to have a series with that, like, man, <sighs> that's just the icing on the cake right there. And it's going to be gritty. You know, it's going to be, yes. like, deep into, the, like, the Rebellion. And, like, well, basically, the before the Rebellion. So, like, yeah, you know, when they're trying to just... Come out from underneath the empire, and you know, doing some things they probably weren't proud of, like they said in the movie, like they've done some things they, you know, it's probably gonna get gritty, but yeah. you know, it's gonna be great storytelling. It's gonna be you know, funny. It's gonna be probably just as good or better than the Mandalorian, honestly. Yeah,
0: I mean, the what the Mandalorian is, I feel the Mandalorian's gonna set the standard. For Okay, if we're going to get dark and gritty here in the Star Wars universe, this is basically our threshold. This is where we're going to work in. And I I like what you said there about the chemistry between Cassian Andor and K-2SO. Because like you said, this is coming at a time where the Rebellion doesn't even truly know what it is yet. And you have Mon Mothma at the head head of all this. You know, Rebels kind of touched upon it a little bit here and there. But you also have Saw Gerrera out there. You You have a guy out there who is really trying to figure out what is the best way that we can get back at the rest of the the galaxy that has basically torn the people apart. And I think there's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to play into that Rebels timeline, I think, for anybody who's really watched that series. And it's that balance of even Cassian. You know, he said it in Rogue One, I've been in this fight since I was really young, just much like Jin, You know, even younger. And... It's it's really coming down to where does Cassian stand and where he goes forward. We know that he ends up doing what he did in Rogue One, but it's that pathway of what are the trials and tribulations that he goes through that makes him willing to put a blaster to the back of somebody that he trusts and and to try to really step beyond what the rebellion ended up becoming. Exactly.
1: And one of the things for me personally, because I love digesting like actors and acting methods, like he was so believable on Rogue One. I was like completely sold whenever I saw his performance. I did not see the actor. I just saw, you know, Cassian Andor. And so whenever that happens, whenever that transformation happens, and I can't see the character, you know, from the actor. That's great storytelling. So. I want to hit on one more thing. Sorry, I'm reading these news and I'm just so oh, excited. Um, I, I really haven't digested this yet. So I think I'm going to digest it on air. <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi is back. Yes. yes. He's back. And, uh, man, you know, it was one of my biggest uh, hopes that he would be able to come back and play either a film or do a series. Like, and McGregor is. For me, my favorite part of the prequels. Like yes. hands down, all the way from episode one to episode three, Ewan McGregor for me was the most moving, you know, inspirational, like tragic part of the prequels. You know, seeing mm-hmm. that relationship with Anakin and just there's so much depth of storytelling that you're gonna be able to tell, you mm-hmm. know, you know, seeing that that heartbreak initially you know how yeah. is that story going to start he's going to probably be in mourning you know what i mean Right, right a- they're probably going to start right after the events of revenge of the Sith, i would think and yeah. just kind of show you know what what occurs but i think you know for for Ewan, you and know, this character he loves this character and he's you know he's reported to say that he wants to play this character again and rightfully so because i mean who else who else could play obi-wan
0: you Nobody know
1: really oh no so yeah, i'm i'm excited
0: yeah i it's and you have every right to be super excited to go to because i think the one aspect of obi-wan and ewan mcgregor coming back and yes f- filling in that timeline after revenge of the sith is yeah there is almost like i don't want to say the word ptsd but there kind of is he's seen a lot he's for yeah. a lot you know the, seeing his own apprentice basically dying in front of his own face on mustafar even though of course he was saved by palpatine you know just going through that you're my brother anakin i loved you you know that 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 heart tearing moment where you're like you can feel the pain of obi-wan and you can feel the pain of anakin because you know that he's conflicted in so many different ways and now having to go on to solitude on tatooine i think the one big thing for me with this series and I'm super excited to see whether it happens, is what does Yoda say to Obi-Wan at the conclusion Hmm. of Revenge of the Sith? In your solitude on Tatooine training, I have for you. A friend has come back and has manipulated his way through the Force to be able to communicate, and that is Qui-Gon Jinn. And whether we see, you know, Liam Neeson come back and speak to Obi-Wan in this series... And truly show him that the eventual pathway that he followed, you know, maybe Anakin wasn't the chosen one necessarily, but there's a greater lesson to be learned in this case. That you know, And we see that with Luke in The Last Jedi, you know, the, the, the Jedi Order must end. You know that he got that from Obi-Wan somehow. You know that he learned that from Yoda. The event's right. reality. That the Jedi is not the only way. That the Force itself is the balance. And there is no light and dark, there's just balance. And I am so fascinated to see if we see Obi-Wan on Tatooine, if they want to go into that solitude state, which I think they have to, because it it gives it so much more gravitas in the Star Wars universe, is Obi-Wan sitting there hypothesizing, where did I go wrong? And Qui-Gon saying, you did nothing wrong, it is your aspect of the Force that needs to change. Exactly.
1: And, you know, I just kind of had a mini revelation here just staring at this news. You know, with the Obi-Wan Kenobi show, we're learning about the Force. Yes. With the Mandalorian, we're learning about kind of the outlaw, you know, the outlaw, outlaw mentality, the the gunslinger, the the Mandalore crew. And then with, we, with the Rogue One series, we're going to be able to see, you know, the Rebellion. And we're going to yeah. see three different, extremely different stories. Yeah. Like they're going to be set, you know, they're going to be set in different times. We're going to be able to see content. I think that's kind of like, oh my gosh, like it's going to be so deep and so rich. Like yeah. that o- that Obi Wan Kenobi like series is going to be able to go so deep. I think into the the Jedi, you know, lore and the understanding of the Force and being able to touch on things that films could not be able to touch on that you can only get in books or you can only get in comics because you have that that extended time with your audience and especially because the people that are gonna be watching and digesting this content are fans yeah these, right. these people are fans they want more of Star Wars and so you're gonna be able to really hit on some awesome m- probably much uh, asked for topics. Um so yeah, it's just nothing but gravy from here, man. It's just like <laughs> Disney Disney has just set like you know this huge batch of biscuits in front of us and poured a bunch of gravy on it. We're just <laughs> fixing to eat.
0: <laughs> I like the biscuits <laughs> and gravy reference. I've no <laughs> perfect.
1: It just kind of came to me. Now I I'm just so excited, man. Like, you know, I can't be happier. And now I guess we could segue into <sighs> episode nine
0: I mean we have uh, we haven't even
1: got
0: into that yet no and that's a whole other monster in that case it is uh, not a, I'm not even talking about those water monsters that we see in, uh, in episode one that, that there's always a bigger fish you know I'm not even talking about that so <laughs> right. we're talking about a whole other film here and I've kind of shared a little bit of reactions uh here at the network or here at the podcast in particular um, with the stuff with the rise of Skywalker a little bit but for you, Dakota, I mean, this trailer, the poster, it, it's just, there's so many different levels of fandom that this touches, and it still keeps that JJ magic of, we're not even sure if any of this is going to show up.
1: Yeah, and you know, honestly, I'm going to be my like 100% honest self right now, so I was not excited. Now, I'm, let, me, let me back up. I'm a huge last Jedi fan humongous. It's Mm -hmm. probably my number one star Wars movie. Wow. Okay. So I, I, we've had that conversation before That's That's like right up there with empire. I know it's, it's a divided topic, but I love the last Jedi. Now I wasn't, I don't know why, but I just wasn't really excited when I saw the first trailer and then the D23 footage came out and it just kind of floored me because they start out with that beginning of episode four and then Mm -hmm. transcending all through the movies and showing you little snippets and kind of hinting at what's going to happen in episode nine. And, oh man, I was, I had goosebumps the entire time. I was tearing up and I was like, this is the end of the Skywalker saga. Like this is, this is the climax and they are pulling out all stops. Like, and I know they, they're just giving us, you know, probably some misdirection a little bit. Of course, you know, Disney loves to do the misdirection uh, approach, and so with that being said, man, like it's it's probably going to be one that reunites the fans, and I think yeah. it's going to take us to even newer heights, even better heights than the Last Jedi. You know, mm. I walked out of the Last Jedi honestly, and I said, I don't know how they're going to make an episode nine because I thought it was perfect. I'm like, how? Where do you go from here? It's yeah, absolutely true. Perfect, in my opinion. It's just my opinion. Yeah. And, you know, whenever they, that closing scene, you know, with, with Luke and with Kylo, like I just, I guess that for me, I didn't really need a resolution between the Resistance and the, you know, the First Order. I didn't really need a resolution because my resolution was seeing the end of Luke Skywalker.
0: Right. But
1: now they've shown us, oh, that's just the beginning, you know, the, the legend that is Luke Skywalker, he's going to create this new brand of people. You know what I mean? And I don't want to get into spoiler territory or anything like that, but that's basically what's, what it's looking like is going to happen. Like Skywalker has created this legacy, and it's going to live forever
0: in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating with The Last Jedi, I mean, and I agree with you. That the way that it left itself off would have been satisfying alone on its own. You know, you could have hypothesized what could have happened next. You know, you could have, you could have figured that stuff out yourself. But J.J. comes in and, and he's ready to give us the Rise of Skywalker. And I think the one overarching thing, like you said, the beginning, when we go through the original trilogy and then the sequel trilogy, and right in the middle you get the prequels and you show Darth Maul and Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon. Um, the, the, the first thing that stuck out for me, of course, is the whole thing intros with the twin sons. And that is iconic. That is where it begins and where it ends. That's what, the, that's, that's basically mm, yes. started. It was Luke looking at the twin sons. And then at the end of the prequel trilogy, you have uncle Owen and aunt Veru holding baby Luke looking at the twin sons. So it's using that symbolism of saying, yes, that's where it began and end for all six of those films. But now we're heading into the end of this story. And let, me,
1: let me interject really quick. Yeah. I'm so I'm so sorry. I just had a moment, okay? So, you know you said the twin sons, right? You said yeah. Luke at the beginning, he's that's that's his moment where he's looking off into the distance and he's, you know, dreaming of be, being a part of something bigger than himself, right? Yeah. The end of his life, okay? We see him looking off. He just did the thing that he was originally dreaming about in episode 4. He finished yeah. the he finished his dream by of course being sacrificial being you know sacrificing himself for you know the resistance but he finished his dream by doing the thing that he wanted to do i mean he finished he finished strong like he he didn't do something that was weak i mean yeah like he projected himself he wasn't actually there And a lot of people like to say oh that was a weak moment no that was that was the most jedi moment of any movie in star wars history like I mean, Yoda says it like, you know, it's not about fighting. It's not about battling one another. It's about loving that person and showing them, okay, be at peace with yourself and learn from your mistakes and grow. Like Yoda says, it's like, you know, failure is the greatest teacher. Like, And he, he learned that. Even in his old age, he still had lessons to learn. And I just, I can't wait to see what's going to happen with, you know, Kylo's journey in this new movie. I apologize for interrupting, but I just no. I, really, I
0: got so excited when you said that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And interrupt anytime with any in-depth summer's work. <laughs> like I'm not in perspective because that's what it's all about. It's about that perspective and being able to reflect on all these films. And that's what JJ wants us to do with Rise of Skywalker is really reflect upon what have we learned throughout this entire journey. What did George start with that I am going to end here? and
1: uh, I just know if I don't get it out, I'll lose it. So, like, <laughs> if, if if I don't say what's on my heart at that second, it's gonna, yeah. it's it's gonna be gone. There's gonna be another thing coming up, so I have to get it out. I, I don't blame you. I
0: don't blame you at all. Um, yeah, and, and I think the one other thing that has fascinated me the, the most about the rise of Skywalker, and we see in this trailer, is not only that part, but but the overarching. Presence of Palpatine in all of this,
1: mm.
0: I, I think, has been. You're gonna have to listen. People out there who are listening, to this are gonna have to listen to talking far, far away because I put out this crazy theory. It's a theory. It's not speculation um, about uh, where Palpatine really fits into all of this, and it really you can see it in the poster. You can see it in the trailer too, and I think the most fascinating part of all of it is that you know you have. Ben solo you have kylo ren and you have ray and this is really their journey you know whether whether ben has feelings for ray or whether he really is trying to convince her that his his way is the only way we we will find out and ray is really trying to come to the fact of luke is gone he told me about where we need to go going forward how to focus in on the force and and truly become not necessarily the next generation of jedi but to be the next generation of just good, and all that is good in the galaxy. And it's that battle. It's like what Snoke says, where the the light rises, darkness rises as well. And Mm. whether that plays into this, who knows. We see them battling each other, but we just don't know where the Force plays itself into. And I think that's where Palpatine is. Is he is the ultimate manipulator, and it always has been in so many different ways.
1: Yeah, and if if you if you go back, you know, I don't know what your speculation or your theory is, but if you go back to the prequels and him talking about Darth Plagueis the Wise and talking Mm -hmm. about you know the afterlife and kind of JJ, you know, when he came out and said, "How do we tie all these stories together?" This is one cohesive story how do we you know make that overarching theme fit into the rise of skywalker i think what we're going to see is elements you know from all of the films you know palpatine's you know he's a master manipulator man he yeah. he is you know such a long game player so yeah there's no telling what he's been planning out in the far reaches of space. If he's even alive, if it's a, if it's a ghost of Palpatine, if it's a reincarnation of Palpatine, if it's a droid of Palpatine, I mean, like, like we kind of saw in the, uh, Star Wars Battlefront uh, video game, you know, we don't know. So it's very exciting to see what's going to happen with that. I think, you know, George Lucas is probably going to be a happy camper whenever this all kind of wraps up and he's just going to look back and say, man, I'm so glad that I sold it to
0: Disney. Like (laughs) look at at this. This is great. I didn't just get a museum out of it. I got some other stuff out of it. Yeah, that's true.
1: Got his own theme park. I mean, come on.
0: Yeah. It's amazing. I will say this. Okay. I, I, I said I wouldn't say it, but I have to say it now. To go, all right? I'm going to throw that. Okay, in. okay. Because we are in the Palpatine subject. And I love to theorize. Um, I don't know why I have a sneaky suspicion, and this is just because of reading *Empire's End*. Um, I think Chuck Wendig did an awesome job of showing the Emperor's contingency plan to destroy the Empire when he is gone. Supposedly destroy it, um, and that's where it comes into play. I don't know why. I have a feeling that JJ is going to do the ultimate move here, and the deception is truly in the Emperor, where Snoke in the First Order and the manipulation of Kylo Ren was all a puppet plan, and he Ooh. had something bigger. He had something bigger. You know, we see those Star Destroyers, massive amounts of them. I even saw yep. Those are those are Imperial. Those are Imperial. How great would it be if that's where the Sith troopers are? They're all yep. sitting on board. They're ready to invade.
1: And that's the, that's the next level because he's no longer has an empire he has the full sith armada i bet you, I bet you and i I just thought about this I bet you he has some newly developed Sith acolytes that we're gonna see. We're gonna probably see some of the best lightsaber battles of any Star Wars movie yeah, I think honestly, like we're gonna see true lightsaber battles between the Sith and the Jedi, you know, or the Skywalkers, or whatever they want to call them now, Um, you know, it's going to be mind-blowing from that angle, too. And I think for me, like, when it boils down to with the rise of Skywalker, it's just, it's really about hope for the future of Star Wars. Like, it's just, there's so much... Like it's not just about the content. The content is great, but it's about the spirit of Star Wars. Like, like Star Wars and fandom, they bring people together. Yes, you know, we get on podcasts and we have speculation about these things because we're excited and we sure. want to. We want to, you know, be together as a community. And you know, Star Wars brings people together. It really doesn't divide people. And so That's I right. just, I'm excited for the future of that. I'm excited that you know. What Star Wars is planning to do, as far as like the the series and as far as the movies, I know that they have some amazing stuff in development, as far as future movies yeah. with the uh, the guys from Game of Thrones. Um, that that itself is another, I mean, humongous thing to unload, and it you know that's another podcast, and it's <laughs> so good is. But you know, it's just the future of Star Wars is so bright, and I'm I'm just looking forward to it.
0: It's like it's like we said before we even hit the record button. Like I always say, some of the best conversations happen before that recorded record button is hit, and it's that real focus on you know where Star Wars was ten years ago and where it is today. And Dakota and I were talking about it, and it's just like that whole mindset of you know Star Wars between Seth MacFarlane and, and like Robot Chicken and stuff was was really kind of a laughing stock item at the time. Yeah. 2008 we got the Clone Wars animated film the Clone Wars was out there and it was a discussion and it was really for kids You know, it was on Cartoon Network and everybody was watching it that way But other than that when it came to episodic films and the franchise itself There was nothing there was nothing available To the fans truly and now almost 10 years 11 years later from that 2008 mark I mean, it's it's truly amazing how much of the fandom has been reunited, and how much of the next generation of fans? I see it when I go to the theaters to see Solo, Rogue One, the episodic films. You see that next generation preparing itself and and, and truly getting involved in the Star Wars universe, and, and you just want that to continue forward. And I think they have a plan to do it.
1: And you're so right. When I have kids and I am able to like take them through, you know, the movies and show them, you know the stories that mean so much to me, like it's going to be, it's going to be almost a religious experience, you know, like there's so many life lessons you get from Star Wars that you just don't get from any other, uh, properties or from other, you know, from other movies and from other content. You just, there's so, such a basic, uh, boiled down good versus evil that you can clearly see. And then also, that gray area that's kind of being touched on now it's like learning like okay like there is you know some things within that light and dark that's like kind of gray that that, that people do operate in and learning to differentiate that and just being able to teach kids these core principles you know at such a young age a gate i mean i saw empire strikes back when i was seven years old right so and i still remember it i like I remember it to this day that when i saw han go into carbonite and you know yeah. get taken by boba fett and i thought han was dead i still remember sitting in my bathtub getting <laughs> a bath a bubble, wa- a bubble bath and just weeping like just honestly yeah. weep weeping about what was happening and at the time you know you don't realize all of those deep philosophical things that like, you just care about the characters but a lot of those Underlying themes were there and you know, it yeah. kind of taught me like oh, I don't want to be Darth Vader. I don't want to be you know, someone that deals With so much anger and hatred and loss, you know I want to be someone that is on the light side and like Luke Skywalker or Han Solo and yeah You know be able to be a force for good and for change and to help people and you know everybody goes through their struggles and my story is you know, no different but like having that kind of grounding, I think for kids is going to be just ah uh, so great. I'm so excited, so glad there's you know a community that has Star Wars you know in its grasp. You know what I mean? Like yeah, within the U.S. and within other countries, you know, Star Wars is so accessible. And I don't know about like you know third world countries. I know Star Wars is probably less accessible. But sure it's still there. You know, people can get to it and, you know, pretty much everybody now you see even in Africa and, and tribes and they have cell phones out there. They don't have That's right. any electricity, but they got a cell phone somehow. So, um, they find a way they find a way. So star Wars is star Wars is a click away, but I don't know, man. I think, uh, best is yet to come as uh, Frank Sinatra might say.
0: <laughs> so true. So true. Great quote too, because it's, it's an, amazing, it's an amazing future that lies ahead of us, and I think the other spe- us aspect to all this is, is um, you know, it matters, you know, there's different parts of the fandom, and it's, it's really being true to yourself and, and really looking at, okay, maybe I just want to read the novels. Maybe I don't want to watch the films. You know what? That's okay. You can do that. If you just want to read the comics, absolutely. Go ahead. Just do that. I just want to watch the films. That's okay. This is a multifaceted fandom today. Something that we could not say 10, 11, 12 years ago. That that there's just so many different aspects to it that you can divulge and really dedicate your time to. If you, ha- you don't even have to have a lot of time. You can just dedicate yourself to one novel a year. It doesn't matter. You're still a Star Wars fan. You find your way into it and, and you divulge the way you want to. And I think being true to yourself and your fandom is probably one of the most important messages that we can spread as, as a fandom.
1: And I think long gone are those days of that like negativity in Star Wars fandom wow. is you know growing up I know like it's kind of taboo I guess to say but it's like if you're a Star Wars you have if you're a Star Wars fan you have to know everything there is to know about <laughs> Star Wars and or if you don't you're not a Star Wars fan.
0: Yeah that but must. that
1: that's how it was for me like if you're if you're a Star Wars fan like in my circle of friends you had to know this actor and this character and blah 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 it's like no man it's like it's storytelling it's about themes it's about you know yeah it's great to go on the details it's great to go overboard and be obsessed i totally support people that are obsessed with the nuances and the details because you know when you're obsessed with something you know you can become an expert at it you know people that want to work for star wars now's the time if you you have a passion (laughs) for star wars and if you you know, want to do something, like, involved in this universe, I mean, go work at Galaxy's Edge. Go be a cast member. Go, you know, intern at Lucasfilm. Go, you know, find, go work in the the video game development. Go find something that's Star Wars related that you enjoy. I mean, it is, like, a golden age of opportunity if you want to be involved in Star Wars. So, all that goes to say, you know, if you have like that dream like george lucas Mm -hmm. when he had that dream that baby that he was ready to give birth to which was star wars years ago like he didn't know what this was going to be i mean he may have thought like yeah it's going to be big but he didn't know no that's true you can't really know the the depth that something like star wars has on pop culture and history and you know cultural relevance and all of those things like it transcends so many you know genres but Mm -hmm. when you have a dream like that like and you have you have that ambition like and you want to do something it's like don't sit on it act george lucas act he acted he acted on that dream and yeah people may have told him oh this is just some goofy sci-fi movie that no one's going to care about it's going to flop and you know people are gonna give you that uh, people are gonna give you some negativity and some fit and some resistance they're gonna come against you and they're gonna say, hey, you know I don't think you should be pursuing that dream or whatever it may be yeah. and my you know my kind of message before we even got on tonight you know was the theme of never giving up. like if you have a dream and you want to pursue that dream, it's like yeah you're gonna have times when you don't feel like it's gonna happen. You're gonna have times when you don't see the fruit of your labors. You're gonna see time when you don't understand why nothing good is coming from all of your hard work. But eventually, if you don't give up, you will see that dream come to pass. And like, one of the greatest things for me, I can kind of relate, Uh you know, in, in my personal life, I actually, as a kid, I wanted to get into karate. Yeah. I love mar- I love martial arts. Um, I didn't really know anything about karate. I just jumped I jumped head in because my brother started, and I was like, "Hey, he's in karate. I want to be in karate." And I had a great sensei, and I had you know I had a gr- sensei as an instructor. I had a great instructor, and I finished. I got my black belt, and that memory for me was that that instilled in me was I had a dream I wanted to do something get my black belt finish the dream I did it and that feeling of accomplishment kind of set me up for future success it's like if I if you have a goal and you want to achieve that goal it's like don't give up because it's going to get harder like the the belts as they progressed you know in karate they get incredibly difficult like you have to do so many different techniques and and different types of styles and 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 perfect your craft and but once you put the work in and you get there you know it's going to be worth it you're going to have that achievement just like george lucas like you know he created this massive massive you know thing that is star wars and i'm sure i don't know if he considered it an achievement on his belt or not but i mean i'm sure that in in somewhere in his heart he kind of looks back and he says man I, i did this like this is this I know a lot of people help me, but this is mm-hmm. this all came from, you know what I mean? Like yeah. inside my brain. So my message is, I mean, don't give up on your dreams. Don't give up on the thing you're pursuing, your craft, you know, your your if it's podcasting or if it's art or if it's uh politics or if it's you know teaching, whatever it may be, yeah. Don't give up because oftentimes the hardest moments happen right before you see that turnaround and you're like, oh, that's why I'm doing this. And you see a little bit of that, you see a little bit of that, uh, that fruit, you know, that you put in, that you sowed that seed a long time ago and you kept doing it, you kept doing it. And eventually you saw the fruit and it tasted really, really good. (laughs) So yeah, that's, that's, my two cents. I guess I got a little inspirational there. A little hashtag inspiration message.
0: Mm, mm. I always love some good inspiration on a podcast. I do. Because we do live in a time where sometimes somebody needs that. And hopefully there's somebody out there who just listened to uh, Mr. Dakota himself. and <laughs> he's he was, he was able to uh, inspire you. And And I think every day... We seek to whether it's in the podcasting world, the political realm, or teaching. No matter what we do, our trade, our craft, like you said, we try to not only inspire ourselves, but we do try to inspire others to really make those decisions that they can look back on and say, "You know what? Somebody was able. Somebody else was able to grow that fruit tree and eat from it. Why can't I grow a tree like that?" Yes, uh, that's 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 really what it all comes down to, and I think. You know kind of going back to star wars they've sown the seeds for the next generation and i think it's our job as a society no matter where we find ourselves is, is to sow the seeds no matter what day it is how we feel you know there's there's always an opportunity no matter what place we're in it no matter what time but we can do that and it's taking that next step to realize you know what i can do that today
1: and if you You know, really felt encouraged by that. I just, I encourage you to go to my any of my social medias, my Dagobah Days or Dagobah Customs or One Twelve Collective or my new podcast, which I'll mention here in a minute. Just drop a comment. Just you know, send me a message and say, "Hey, man, that really encouraged me," and that'll kind of like make me not feel like a weirdo.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you heard that, Blockaders? You heard that, everybody? Uh, Send those messages along. Yeah. Because uh, I know uh, I, I'm, I feel really good when, when, you know, we see that others are out there listening to it. And, and it's not that self-fulfilling prophecy. It's more of just like, hey, we're, we're, we're telling you that everything is going to be all right. And that if you keep following that path, everything is going to be all right. And you can stay inspired by inspiring yourself. And through the inspiration of others, use that to motivate yourself. And just letting us know, especially letting Dakota know on all the different platforms that he's about to say, that that, that still is out there and that fire that lights the rebellion and re- lights the resistance and, you know, lights our hearts every moment, that that still exists today. And uh, it's an amazing, amazing time to be a fan, as we've said. It's an amazing time to podcast and it's also an amazing time just... To be with each other and to have these experiences and to have these discussions because hey, you know what? You never know what you're gonna learn from them, and you never know where the next step may be So exactly
1: exactly my friend. So yes, I guess we could do you want to go do you want to go plug time?
0: Plug time
1: so, you can find me all across the social medias. I am on Twitter at dagoba underscore days. I am on Instagram at dagoba underscore days. Also, I run a feature page for Mezco 112 Collective photography and news called 1.12.collective. And we just, uh, we're about to hit 12,000 followers. So mm. the community is growing super strong. I'm super excited to be a part of that. Um, I got an amazing sponsor. I'm going to drop a, a, a recommendation. If you have yes. any any sort of needs for action figures or pop figures or Mezco or NECA, go to onestoptoyshop.com. Now that's the letter, or I should say the the number one stop toyshop.com check him out give him some support he always does free shipping on any of his stuff so if you're seeing like mezco it's free shipping um he's a great guy um also i am starting a fresh new podcast that i have currently some amazing amazing guests already lined up that everybody knows so it's going to be super exciting to be able to interview these people who love toy photography and that's what the podcast is all about it's called the toy photographers podcast so check that out it's um the instagram that's currently the only thing that's up right now it's toy photo cast so that's gonna be dropping here in the next month or so so that's gonna be incredible content for those who are looking into you know toy photography or even just hearing about the process of uh, people who are super creative and able to kind of look at the world in a different way, and I cannot wait to get started on that project. I also run Dagoba underscore Customs, which I do um, custom Star Wars and also you know pretty much any toy photography dioramas. I am booked up until the end of the year currently, so if you're looking to get any sort of commission from me, uh, don't expect any openings until. 2020 um, i'm super appreciative of my customers they are amazing i have the best customers in the world they are super supportive super patient and just i love all of the things that they're able to do with the dioramas that i create and i also work with an amazing uh designer who helps me design my uh dioramas um his uh instagram is figure i want to say it's underscore figure works if you just type in figure works you'll see him he's Super popular, Um, amazing guy. He lives in New York and just has this uh, ability to see uh, Star Wars structures and architecture uh, from that that architect background. So he's just incredibly talented. I'm so grateful to work with him. Also, I have another Instagram account called (laughs) Star Wars Toy Picks. So that's. That is where I feature all of the uh, incredible photography of anybody who tags me um, in that page. I'll just I'm gonna look through and I'm gonna post my favorites. Um, I love that page. It's kind of small. It's only got about uh, a thousand right now. Mm-hmm. I know that I know that's I guess not small, but it to me it's small. So I'm excited to grow that account. Um, we're gonna continue to look forward into the future and just be uh, an encouraging community. I love the toy community on instagram it is super encouraging if you ever want to uh message me about any questions or just if you want to talk toys if you want to talk star wars you want to talk mezco just message me on one of my instagram accounts or twitter i'm not really on twitter but i'm trying my best to kind of look at it more often so yeah that's what i'm doing and come hang out
0: with me on instagram nice awesome awesome amazing places To go find dakota and all the amazing projects that he's working on of course on the brick city blockade website page you'll be able to scroll down on the right hand side you know we're going to put that podcast up there the link so that you guys can listen to it and we also have the dig of a custom stuff over there as well at www.brickcityblockade.com you can find everything that uh, dakota's doing across the star wars fandom and in the toy photography world as well We'll have that all up there for you as well. Uh, you guys can follow me over on Twitter at tweets. Check me out on Instagram at TheOfficialVote, the website. You can follow us, Patreon to support the network, Public to rock the network, and also Starlight Children's Foundation, our Galaxy of Joy program, uh, bringing smiles to kids' faces across the country every cent at a time. We're going to be doing a lot more work with them come the fall, so we're super excited about that and the opportunities for all kinds of members within the fandom you know you guys you guys are, are, are amazing you got so many different platforms that you guys can follow us on and and ways to get involved um and we're super lucky to have all of you uh as a part of our families um in the star wars universe so uh for robin vote here sitting across from me dakota thank you so much for coming on this episode my man we got so much more to talk about in the near future yes sir we do and i appreciate you letting me come on sir you know at any time always welcome here on the podcast and it's not a freaking podcast episode until we say this, right? I mean, we gotta say may the force be with you always this is AP5 if only I had more time out here in space to listen to the Brick City Blockade podcast I'd be so happy but until then